0: Hi, I'm Isabella. And I'm Jeff. We're two Asian Australians who want to explore what it means to be Asian in the West.
1: And you're listening to As I Am.
0: And welcome, Jeff and I are so incredibly excited to be sitting down today with the people of Grid Series, which is an artist development program that supports outer suburban emerging creatives around Australia. Firstly, we have Aisha Meetar, the Managing Director and Co-Founder of Grid Series. We are also joined by a member of a band that Grid Series supports, specifically Shantanu Joshi, a member of Mannerism, which is a dreamy pop and heartland five-piece hailing from suburbia in Melbourne's deep southeast. How are you guys going? It's so lovely to have you both here. Yeah, it's great to be here. Nice to join you. (laughs) Fantastic. I mean, you know, I think even just doing our preliminary research on Grid Series and the band, it was so impressive by what we read. And we'd kind of love to know more about yourselves. So, you know, how did Grid Series and Mannerism come to be? And Shantana, if you wouldn't mind indulging, we'd love to hear in particular about how Mannerism kind of pays homage to your immigrant upbringing.
2: Yeah, well, I guess to kick it off, we first came into contact with Grid Series. I think it was probably almost four years ago now I think 2019 or 2017 20... 2017 okay 2017. so a long, long time ago now there you go so time's gone fast last three years don't count surely so no
0: they don't count <laughs> let's go with
2: four years ago Um but I think we just literally saw the expression of interest and I think it was on our Facebook or something that we saw it pop up and we just put our name in the hat and next thing we know we got a call and an email about it and started to learn more about the program and realized how much of a good opportunity it would be for us. So yeah, it was basically just out of nowhere that we we got involved, but we're incredibly thankful for the program because it's really put us on this trajectory and understanding that we didn't really have before. So that's that's been awesome. Mm. A little bit about the band and our immigrant upbringings. Most of us in the band are from different backgrounds. We all grew up in the Southeast. So uh, my parents are from an Indian background. Damo, our bassist, his family's from a Sri Lankan background. Hi, drummer's from a Vietnamese background. Stas, a uh, synth player, he's from a Russian background. And Simon's probably the only actual true blue Australian in our group. <laughs> the multi-generational australian which is uh, he's the minority in our group actually so there you go yeah we all mostly grew up together in like the dandenong area damien high and i went to school together and we played in different bands growing up and then stas and simon we met them at uni And so we all kind of met each other up to almost 10 years ago. Um, But I've been playing with Hi and Damien in different arrangements for about 15 years, actually. So we, we started off playing music together. And so, yeah, I guess with the immigrant upbringing, it's probably just circumstantial that we all found each other because where we grew up, it's so diverse. And it wasn't necessarily that backgrounds brought us together. It was probably the mutual love of music and We all shared kind of like this enthusiasm for music, even though it wasn't necessarily music that we had heard from our upbringing. It was sort of just music. You know, I feel like potentially our generation was the first generation to be raised by the internet. So we really had this portal in our bedrooms that we could just limitlessly enjoy different genres and music and subgenres. And yeah, we kind of had the benefit of, of that and had a shared appreciation of music it's only in hindsight now that we realise that the reason why we've been together for so long or we've been able to play music for so long together is because we we all have a pretty similar approach to life and we all have a very similar values being raised as first or second generation immigrants. So I think mannerism sort of plays an important role in showing that the internet has really facilitated that expansion of music. You know, it's just crazy to think that in one generation of our parents being village people in Southeast Asia. Yeah, oh my Asia, gosh, yes. That we're playing indie esoteric rock in Australia, <laughs> Melbourne. That's very specific and quite yeah. niche. So yeah, it's pretty insane.
0: No, I think about that all the time. Just like the incredible, I guess, like difference in opportunities that you know we're afforded living here versus what our parents would have experienced. So no, thank you for sharing that. I think it's always um so interesting seeing how bands come to be, and it seems like, you know, you guys have kind of evolved quite organically. And I'm curious, Asia, how have you kind of found being on the other side of that, you know, as the co-founder of series and the managing director, how does it feel kind of, you know, helping to produce artists like mannerism? And even before that, like, you know, how did you start this?
3: Mm. Um, Great Series started eight years ago and it started sort of in a pub. And I think when mannerism came on board, we were still pretty like fledgling. It was still you were part of the experiment at the time. <laughs> we definitely grew. We started Grid Series eight years ago in a pub, and initially it was very much about acknowledging that there were so many artists that weren't getting any kind of visibility, any kind of access to information, um, and knowing that we had the tools. So Arik and I both had come from different backgrounds. He grew up in Melbourne and had had a lot of experience in the music industry here through his earliers And I grew up in Taiwan, Indian background, but moved to Australia. I moved to Sydney when I was just 18 without family and to study music, right? So I also tried at that time to do music. I thought that this was going to be like this amazing career trajectory. And I think um, just considering my own challenges at that time in my life, trying to not just navigate the unspoken rules of the music industry um, and the arts industry, but also by the time we got to Grid Series in 2012, 13, uh, by the time we got to that point, both Ark and I had enough experience either directly with the music industry and how things Happen and also just culturally, I think I was struggling personally with not seeing any kind of reflection or visibility in the musical landscape that I loved. And knowing, fully knowing that everyone was making music somewhere. It wasn't like there was a lack of people from different backgrounds making music. They just weren't being heard, seen, played on the radio, or given any tools to access any of this, or the confidence. I think the confidence is a big part of it. I'm not sure if you agree, um, but I think there's, there's a lot to do with just having access to information to gain confidence and then to try and to put yourself out there. That risk comes when you have support. So that's a big part of what Grid Series is about, I think is is creating enough space for that voice. And that's also why we focused on the outer suburban regions as much as possible. Because one of the biggest things, you know, in so-called Australia is geographical access. Like, yeah, how do you get out to places? <laughs> how do you yeah. get to gigs? Yeah. How do you get home from gigs? How do you, how do you transfer anything? Um, so all that has a has an impact.
0: It has so many layers to it, right? Obviously, it's one thing to you know be able to get foot into the industry. It's another thing to kind of think about what you said before about these unspoken rules and just navigating that as a foreigner. I can imagine that intimidation would be just quite overwhelming and I think confidence is something that we often overlook when we think about accessibility.
1: 100% so Isabella and I are obviously not in the music industry we're probably in the absolute opposite <laughs> lack of <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum of creativity and I think for a lot of our listeners at home as well would love to know about what some of these unspoken rules are would you be able to share some of those with us?
3: You have to learn the tricks of the trade right? And not just as a singular person making music, but what it means to make music, what the process is, how to put things out there, what sustainability looks like for you. All those things are such. Yeah. There's so many ways to navigate it aside from like the basics of a mentor session where you find out that this font's gonna make a difference to somebody reading something, whether it's a CV or, (laughs) um, you know, trying to get on radio, it still has the same impact, I think.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think from from our experience definitely when we i guess just in hindsight when we came to grid series and we sort of in this state where we you know we've been playing for a couple of years and we were kind of you know doing the old house party and playing the random gigs and just kind of not really having any sort of direction with it and the grid series timing sort of coincided perfectly when this time that the band was actually probably starting to write some better material and we were starting to get a little bit more confidence in our own ability. So being able to gain an understanding right at that sort of what it felt like the initial stage of the band of things like you said, how does a release plan work? Like, how do you actually release music? What's the best way to maximize your impact? You know, what kind of venues should we be playing out? What kind of venues will be important to access those potential fans all those sorts of things, living in a deep pocket in the southeast suburbs where you have no real understanding of this massive industry, even in just Melbourne, you know, it really opened our eyes as to like sort of what needs to be done. And it's interesting, like, you know, um, there was a really, really good seminar that we went through, Grid Series 4, about, as you said, sustainability of artists and sort of what sustainability looks like. And um, it was great because it really gave us, you know, this idea of how or what level of success really warrants us taking a step back from other full-time work. And it really gave us some kind of metrics to measure, okay, if we get to this level of success, then we could probably do X, Y, Z. But um, if we're not at that level, then we should focus on singles and we should focus on shows and we should focus on that sort of thing. Um, So we got some really strong metrics. And I think that We've, we've continued to play those out, continue to test the limits and continue to kind of like find our niche within all of that. So it's a, it's a massive process, but it definitely put us, I guess, in the right direction from the get go. But, yeah, there's heaps of sort of things that you learn along the way, you know, that you just don't learn until you've done it. You know, there's so many people out there who just don't know what you're going to get sometimes with shows and people in broader industries so you just got to go through it
0: yeah for sure and I mean on that I mean I think I'd love to kind of know in your perspective what you both believe are you know the main barriers to inclusivity and accessibility in the music industry I mean do you have any particular anecdotes that kind of reflect the difficulties of breaking into this market obviously you know feel free to share whatever you'd like and feel comfortable with but I think often I think from the outside right like it's very clear that music has a diversity problem and I think it'd be really good to know kind of what you both personally have experienced or what you both believe are kind of the main barriers that do impede people from minority backgrounds breaking into the industry.
2: Um, I think the first barrier for me was always something that we sort of mentioned earlier I think that representation Mm. it's a barrier because when you don't really see people like yourself on stages or you don't really see people putting out music that you like you just can't believe in a world in which you could do it yeah Mm. it's such a massive barrier and there's you know there's other cultural things and there's um there's so much to really unpack as to why people might feel that way but i think that's probably like the number one barrier you know if you don't really see anyone Looking like you do, in mainstream media, let alone in a niche indie mm-hmm. rock scene, yeah. like it's just not going to yeah. happen. You know, like growing up, the only people I saw that looked like me on TV were Apu and Big Bang Theory, and and they <laughs> were, were all up. these, <laughs> you know, extremely irritating characters that 100%. just had comedic effect. So how am I supposed to see my place in the Western world when I feel like that's how I'm being interpreted? So I think that was the first barrier was a representation one and uh, just not seeing enough of that. But then the second was probably once you're actually in the scene, this is probably a particular challenge for mannerism because so many of our members were from different backgrounds. It took us a long time and we're still doing this, but it took us a long time to find our audience because... People from our backgrounds in Australia are not necessarily listening to our kind of music, or, or don't really. The, the culture doesn't really encourage our particular strain of music in mm. a South Asian. Potentially, mm. you know, these are just things that yeah, we've come up with. I so I think it took us a while to find. Okay, well, we actually just have to find people that like our music, as opposed to being able to tap into a broad, big, fruitful community that already exists. We had to really create that. So. That's probably the second sort of barrier. But once again, the internet is awesome for that because you can sort of just try and reach Mm. as many people as you can.
3: Yeah, I really love what you just said because representation for me always also means, um, I feel like you get boxed into an expectation of genre or expression as well. There's like this idea, and it's the same thing as like, all the categories for music, right? Like you've either got your world music, your ethnic music, you like it's always gonna be representative oh my God. of something. Oh my God. Yeah. And so yeah. even mm. if you're getting booked yeah. for gigs, if you're visibly a certain culture, or if you proudly identify with whatever your cultural heritage is and your identity, your identity can come in conflict with how you want to manifest musically and artfully and and creatively and Suddenly, there's this, and I think there's also self imposed limits from that. You sort of go, at least for me, and I'm not sure if this is the same for you, Shantano, because who in your community is doing indie music in that way? Or who is, you know, my parents taught me that I needed to do classical as the only way to achieve that? Or like, (laughs) there there are limitations Mm. to who who you can be in these creative realms and it's also still problematic in a way like even though everything is shifted there's now a shift towards like if you don't state your identity like do I have to include Indian textiles and in everything I do even though I have them do I have to though like do I have to represent myself yeah, in reflection of things that I'm proud of to show you that I'm proud and do those elements have to be part of what I do or can I just be exactly what I am and create the music or the art that I want to and I I think that was a big part also sorry just leading on from that that was a really big part of as a really big fixation point for me when we first started grid was making sure that when we did and Shantana you can actually tell me if this was if this happened or not I <laughs> wanted to make sure that our call out and how We chose people to be part of the program um, through all the applications that the music came before identity, even though the identity of a person was still relevant because I really wanted, again, to see more people from backgrounds that I wasn't seeing in the industry. So I did want to be conscious about that, but I didn't necessarily want that to be the focus. I wanted it to be just about the art form, right? And I think, Shantana, you said this earlier, you were talking about the formation of mannerism. And you said that your diverse backgrounds didn't bring you together and music brought you together. And I think that's a really important thing to talk yeah. about.
2: No, I think that's right. And just my two cents just going on from that train of thought is sometimes there's this kind of pressure that you, you might feel that you have to be a spokesperson and you have to really oh gosh, yes. champion mm. the cause or wear the colors or wear the traditional things or do the thing. That makes you the most palatable, most amenable kind of brown person or ethnic person. But I think an important thing that I've learned on this kind of journey has been that, you know, yes, obviously I'm I'm incredibly proud of my heritage and where I come from and everything about my migrant story or my parents' immigrant story. But our music's kind of just our music, and I don't really necessarily feel like it's a vessel for me to express or have to play this kind of role. Uh, I just want to do the music, which is coming from a, a what we say in mannerism, a completely different dimension. Yeah, there is kind of this pressure, especially being a band with so many ethnic people. It's like, well, you've got to say something about it. You know, you have to say something like, you know, but yeah, it it is. It's really important part of our story. But, you know, you just hope that people are listening to the music because they're listening to the music and not really holding any biases about it.
1: Mm, Yeah. Is there a particular part of the creative process where that becomes the most difficult? That challenge of, you know, you want to make music just to make music, but at the same time, there is this conversation to be had, there is this point to be made. Like, Do you ever feel like those forces come into conflict when you're actually creating something?
2: I guess my own writing style as a songwriter, it's more about, I guess, my lived experiences and it's more kind of introspective music, but I'm not really necessarily always dealing with kind of more social political commentary. So it never comes up that, oh, we should deal with this kind of issue in this song because it's not really the sound of the band. But I think mm. what we do realise and what we're really proud and passionate about is just being visible, and this goes back to representation. So being on those stages in the grungy innards of Melbourne pubs and clubs and being on stages and festivals and being across things that people who are from different backgrounds are able to look at us and be like, hey, Well, maybe I do like this genre, even though my friends don't necessarily listen Mm. to it. Maybe I could do this. Maybe I could drum. Maybe I could play guitar. Maybe I could sing. You know, like uh, I think our sort of unconscious purpose is just to be seen playing the music unapologetically us, Mm. you know, we're not really compromising on our sound. We're not really using it as any kind of political headway. We're just unapologetically laying out. This is what we're doing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that.
1: That is awesome. Do, do you think sort of that representation is getting better? Because obviously you both as artists are representing and you are key representatives of that You know, diversity factor getting better. And I think you look at things like 88 Rising in America where they're bringing all these Asians into the R&B scene. There's heaps of amazing DJs in Korea playing like the hardest techno. It's like a really small Asian woman just like absolutely flooring it. Do you think that representation is getting better? I guess you guys are on the inside. Like, we'd love to get your point of view on that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll give you my two cents. I think it is. Definitely my experience in the industry, I've I've seen changes about it. But I do think that there is, like, genre-specific niches. Like, you know, I think particular genres will attract particular diasporas. And that's just you know it could be a cultural thing, could be you know another thing, but even just growing up, for instance, a lot of the friends that we went to school with, that go to like you know all the Psytrance trance events, that go to all the R and B nights, that go to all the all those kind of things that were very specific to our sub communities, but they wouldn't necessarily go to like an indie rock gig, or they wouldn't necessarily go to that sort of thing. So I feel like there is strong representation across particular niches, but. That cross-representation, I think we're probably still in that phase of people from different communities playing completely Mm. different genres to what might be expected of them. So uh, I think we're still going through that. Mm. You know I'm so
0: sick of though? I don't know if this is controversial for me to say, but I'm so sick of like white boys who like play acoustic guitar and like who get super popular. Like I feel like they all, I think there's always a version of them that comes through like the works like every couple of years. Oh my God, it's I hate it. It's
3: and I, I will- Why
0: is it so popular? It's, I don't oh, know. Oh my God. Surely much more interesting music being made.
3: <laughs> I have the same allergy. I do try to make sure that everything I listen to and I keep myself as open as I possibly can and I like to look at the content more than anything. Yeah. But fundamentally, in agreeance, because a lot of the time that content doesn't deliver. <laughs> and that, I think that's a really big part of it. It's not just yeah. a yeah. It's it's it doesn't deliver, and I don't I don't know if that has to do with lived experience, or I don't know if that has to do with like there are aspects to it that.
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? It's also because that's probably. It has the most mainstream appeal because it's the most mainstream type of person that society is. Yeah, totally. I think when it comes to me listening to that stereotypical kind of sound that you may or may not be talking about, (laughs) uh, I'm always, and this is the same thing that I'm perplexed with in film, for instance, where it's like this new movie about some, like 30-something middle-aged man going through some divorce or something like that. And I just look at that in the same way as I look at this music and say, this is a story that I've heard, or this is a story I've been told. I've heard and seen this experience in a billion formats, in a billion different ways.
3: That's right. Is there really something
2: new that can be explored here Mm -hmm. when there's so many other things that I want to hear and I haven't heard? I mean, there (laughs) is sometimes, like, I still love a lot of bands that, (laughs) you know, that have predominantly all white male people. And that could also just be because you know the niches that i'm interested in only like white male privileged people could have occupied because it's too niche you know it's way too niche and they would have had you know their parents like equity backing them up the whole way oh my so God. yeah
3: yeah
2: anyway yeah So percent that's, that's sort of what i think about that
3: it's a it's a really good point as well though cuz i think it's not just But there's always the financial aspect of it and like access to the sound, like especially in music, you you can't make certain sounds without the money Mm. to access that instrument, that Mm. gear, that mic, that like those sounds are created also by gear and by venue, by room, by recording space, by so many different aspects of it. That vibe is only captured by those things and all those elements count, which is also where the original stuff comes. Because I think that most people from migrant backgrounds and also like just any kind of minority background are totally hustlers. We're all hustlers. Oh my God. 100%. And so yeah. that means we're creative, we're resourceful. And we make really cool shit out of what we can find.
1: <laughs> like, percent Louder limitation. in the back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> louder for the people in the back. I love that. Yeah.
1: The limitation spurs creativity. 100
0: percent Um, and you know, on this accessibility point, and you mentioned this before, Shantanu, on you know, the emergence of the internet and how that has actually kind of, you know, broken down some of the barriers. I'm quite curious to kind of hear your thoughts on streaming platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. I mean, do you think you know these platforms have helped or hindered in some way um emerging creatives
2: yeah it's it's a it's a big question and it's something that you know we've seen play out in the last couple of years i kind of talk about it as sort of the democratization of music in some ways um mm. so it's sort of allowed everyone to reach an audience which is really powerful being on a platform where you can through a distributor put your music up and be able to access playlisting and be able to access radios and all that sort of algorithmic software to get in front of listeners that you never could have reached before is pretty amazing. So I think, I think that's incredible, but also, you know, we've probably seen within our lifetimes, the extreme exponential growth of music on the platform, which is also, you know, got benefits, like I just said, but also consequences because there's just, there's just so much music and the, Invention of the bedroom studio, which is what we often do is in the band as well, has really allowed for anyone and everyone to be able to produce and make music. And then after they've done that, you know, distribute to Spotify and the like. So Spotify in our time has kind of revolutionized music in that the death of the, the, the normal studio process, which is tens of thousands of dollars usually, to a bedroom producer that can put something up and access a fan base immediately is completely shifted I guess not only how music is listened to but how it gets to people and yet yeah, it's, it's revolutionized it now there are like pros and cons but I think for the most part for our band in a very like micro way it's been really amazing that we've been able to to use it to access you know different fans from different countries and be able to grow a listenership and that sort of thing. So, And because all of us, I guess our band, our stage, we're not at a stage that we can do it full time, but to still be able to release music and be able to put it out and feel some sort of confidence that people are liking it and gaining that sort of understanding of, you know, oh, hey, this is done well over here and this is done well over here and just gives us something to build on. So I think there's a lot of important things about it. Either way, there's no going back to how things were so i think for our purposes being musicians that are not full-time users at the moment it's awesome because we don't have to depend on streaming for income streams but i can totally empathize with people that do depend on music for in- income streams and and how little spotify pays out so you know there's two sides to the coin yes you're getting access to a, a limitless limitless audience but then also you're not getting paid very much at all so it's a hard one
1: yeah i think uh I'm quite a big electronic music fan and one of my favorite artists, Ski Mask, basically, well actually his entire label, Illion Tape, pulled their um, discography off Spotify because of the payment reasons and they're basically saying you can purchase it on places like Bandcamp where they actually pay supporting artists. But I guess like in your view, it's sort of the, the lesser of two evils but also quite circumstantial, right? Based on, you know, if you rely on this purely for income versus um, if you've got other means of like gaining is essentially like financial independence. But what are your thoughts on anisha
3: Much the same, pretty much echo that. It's also such a great tool for, I guess, expanding our genres and expanding what we make and getting that diversity and listenership, but also, It's rough. It's rough out there trying to make a dime on it, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. that's a really, really big part of things. So, yeah, it it really depends on your context more than anything and what you're trying to do. And I think that's also a really big part of how you choose to pursue it, like how you once you have the information, you can decide in what capacity you enter into the music industry or art industry in that way. Do you do it full time? Do you take a risk? Do you take a plunge? And then you depend on all these these platforms you depend on all these things um you depend on touring you depend on a lot
2: yep Mm. and just on that i think it's interesting for the band at least because i guess indie music in australia generally prior to the sort of spotify revolution prior to that there was only really one route to success for indie bands in australia and that was through triple j Mm. and it was a very set in stone sort of path that you had to go and get you know, play it on Triple J on Earth and then then do a tour and then play it on Triple J and then do support shows, et cetera, et cetera. There was kind of this like really well-trodden path. And throughout even the time that we've played music for the last 10 years or so, you've really seen how that path, well, the focus has shifted away from that to just being more into streaming through Spotify and playlisting and all of that, which has been really good for us actually because a band like ours and – know we've kind of gone through this journey of self-discovery that we thought we had to sort of be that band and triple j with all the catchy hooks and all the you know really like marketable type of indie pop rock but it took us a while to realize that's actually not really what we're great at and we were compromising all the things that we were really good at to to push our like you know kind of longer songs into like a three and a half minute pop banger but then it just did, it just wouldn't translate because we were like, well, this is actually not the best part of the song. So Spotify has allowed us to make our music without having to compromise on an expectation or a route that we have to go down of radio music. And it would have been the most successful we've ever been in terms of plays and listenership after doing that, after not compromising. So that was a massive affirmation for us that we would we had been focusing on the wrong thing for too long, but also now we know that and now that's sort of where our focus is to grow our listenership on Spotify and the like.
3: Yeah, I think there's a lot in that idea that the spaces aren't made for us. And so it's a pretty interesting and great time that we get to carve out our own paths around that and then sort of make yeah, spaces for absolutely. us. Because, yeah, that monopoly on... The three people, the three gatekeepers who make sure what's on Triple J is like all of Australian music limited
0: Nah, fuck the gatekeepers uh, i do
3: i love this i love
0: this energy and you know i i think it's so cool to see um you know we said before shantanu about how this has been so affirming so yeah we're super excited to see what you guys will do into the future um and i mean on that i mean we'd love to kind of know your goals and aspirations both for grid series and mannerism are you able to let us in on some of your future plans
2: Yeah, I can go first. Um, So I guess we're kind of in this sort of uh, recalibration stage at the moment post-pandemic. We kind of ended right before the pandemic on this really big high playing big festival and having our most successful sort of release Um, and then just as we kind of entered the pandemic we went into a couple of months of recording. So we we, we have a lot of material backed up and It's probably only in the last, you know, four or five months that we've been rehearsing regularly again, just trying to get, you know, get everyone locked into the groove again. So, yeah, we're sort of in this kind of rediscovery process at the moment, but we have quite a bit of material already recorded and we've got more studio time booked. So our like focus at the moment is really just to be putting out more music. We have a few odds and ends and little shows here and there planned for the year, but we're sort of just a little bit, just taking a little bit, cautiously we don't want to get our hopes up too much but yes a lot more music and hopefully fingers crossed building up to sort of maybe our first length album towards the end of this year so oh, we'll see how so
0: exciting that goes wow. so
2: yeah i think we want to try and do the whole you know press to vinyl and all that sort of thing this time because <laughs> you know it's now or never so we we're probably going to try that so yeah now it's, it's exciting times
0: yeah and who knows with COVID, I just feel I just got to go for it, right? Like, there's yeah. no certainty with timelines anymore. So yeah, if you have that content, release it, you know. So yeah, that's super exciting to hear. How about you, Aisha?
3: Well, the most exciting thing coming up for Grid Series is our first festival, the SEM Festival, which Mannerism we're playing so at. So we are launching that on April 30th. Really excited about that. I mean, that's essentially it, just making sure that we continue forming as many relationships as we can to places that can offer space for as many different kinds of artists and kinds of sound as possible.
1: Love that. Absolutely love that. And I think, you know, we always like to end on a somewhat of a positive note. So to two people who have made a massive impact in the music industry, what's one piece of advice you'd want to give to an emerging artist or creative? It's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to spring that on you. No
2: pressure.
0: No pressure, Shantani. Uh. <laughs> no pressure, Are you sure? That's really
3: hard. Hmm. One thing I'd say is get all the information you can <laughs> so you can make the best decision for you you possibly can, but also take complete control of your identity and how you want to do and make your art. Don't let anyone tell you how to make your art how to put out your art because yeah you're going to make something excellent with it something new
2: Mm. my advice would be don't be discouraged if you don't really see anyone else like you doing something you know if anything take that as motivation to be the first person to do it that's perfect
1: amazing advice from both of you you know before we get you out of here obviously we want to give you the opportunity to plug something what would you both like to plug to all the listeners out there
2: uh, so I'll go first. Um, we put out a single a uh, couple of months ago called "It's Getting Dark." It's available on our Spotify, but also big plug because we're going to be playing the SEM Festival on April thirty. So uh, oh, that will be a lot of fun. So get down to the of. shed in Cremorne if you can. Massive, nice
1: Aisha.
3: You took my plug.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, Come that's perfect. They, they line up. They line up. It's Come. one single plug.
3: Come down to the shed in Cranbourne on April 30th for an awesome full day festival featuring some pretty badass artists from the outer southeast of Melbourne and some stunning artwork, live art, market stalls, all the goods all the excitement. Amazing. Thank you so much. We've had so much fun speaking
0: to both of you and it's honestly been so insightful um, and really, really inspiring to kind of see you both making waves in this industry. And I'm sure this has been an incredibly inspiring episode for our listeners. So thank you so much again for your time. We are really, really appreciative of it. Yeah,
2: thanks thanks for thank your time. you. Yeah, it's nice to be a part of it.
1: And thanks to everyone for listening at home. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to give us five stars on Spotify and Apple. I think it's Apple. No, it is Apple Podcasts. I don't know if you can do it on Google. I'm I'm rambling. Anyway, we'll catch you guys on the next one. See you later. Bye.